All right, well, um, it's good to see everybody once again. Welcome to RUF. Welcome to Large Group. Um, if this is your first time in particular, welcome. I know that coming into a room like this with a bunch of people you don't know who are maybe doing weird things like singing together can feel weird. So um, put up with us for a bit, and uh, I hope it, uh, you'll get used to it and um, could maybe even find some community here. Um, yeah, really, if it's your first time here, welcome. If it's your 30th time here, welcome. Um, I hope you had a great break. I hope that it was a, a good, restful time for you. Um, my name is Jonathan. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love to. I'm the campus pastor with RUF, Reformed University Fellowship. Um, and really what that means is that I'm here to facilitate and lead this group. Um, and the way that I want to do that is by caring for students on this campus. Um, and, yeah, meeting students where they are. Sometimes I'm climbing in the activity center, and we'll just hang out. Sometimes we'll get coffee. We'll talk about life. We'll talk about faith, talk about family, all that stuff. Sometimes we'll just get together and burn things. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's all the stuff that goes into that. Um, but tonight, what we do is um, large group, and what it means is we get together, we do some singing, we do some hanging out, um, and we also open up um, the Bible, the Christian Bible, and look at it and see, does this book have anything to say about being a college student in the 21st century in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And um, so this semester, we're going to do something a little um, risky. We're going to look at a book called Leviticus. Um, and if you know anything about the Bible, this is not the first book that you start with a lot of the time. It's a, it's a strange and very different book. Um, and so we're going to spend the next you know, 16 weeks slowly picking our way through this book um, and it's going to be weird, but I think it'll be good overall. So hang with me. But uh, before we do that, uh, I want to ask a couple of, I want to look at some preliminary questions that I hope are maybe geared a little bit more towards you who are um, new, but I hope for all of us as we come back and we, we come back again into this room that it's, it's helpful for everyone. So um, it's going to look a little differently tonight, but we will get into the text a little bit. So first thing I want to do is to get us off the ground, I want to look at three, three questions. Um, Three things that I want to talk about tonight. First, why RUF? Why RUF? Why are we here? Second, why Christianity? Why Christianity? And third, why Leviticus? Why are we going to look at Leviticus? So let's look at those three things. Um, Ask those three questions, those why questions. So first, why RUF? Why are we doing this? A lot of you are probably wondering, some of you wonder, stumbling and be like, this is strange, I've never done anything like this. Some of you probably have done something like this, and yet this one feels a little different. Um... So what separates this from other Christian groups? What separates this from other social clubs on campus? So um, I want to answer that first, that that, that question in two two ways. In two ways I want to answer why are you at first? um, The reality that we all need community. The reality that we all need community in our life. It's no secret um, that our world has very little community and that it's shrinking. Like statistically, that we are becoming less connected we're become, I mean, whereas socially, in, like in terms of media, in terms of technology, we're incredibly connected. But in terms of face-to-face connection, like it seems every year we're becoming less and less connected. Um, so that, you know, when, when st- statisticians and psychologists do surveys of college students, that they'll say one in two college students says that they are either somewhat to very to extremely lonely in college at some point. Um, or, for example, since 2007... So 2007, I was in college. The iPhone 1 was first released. Um, and just like, just, you know, of course, blew up and take, took over everything. And the amount of students w- from 2007 
to now who have said, I feel lonely a lot of the time, has jumped from 12% to 34%. So like a lot of loneliness, and it's getting, it's getting bad. So, um, and then just personally, from my experience on campus, there's a lot of students who just feel lonely, right? Um, so you compile loneliness with anxiety from academic pressure to family pressure to money to homework loads to future job pressure. All of these things kind of pile on top of us and just create a pressure cooker from college. That's not a healthy environment, right? And we're seeing the effects of that in terms of substance abuse and mental illness and anxiety and even suicide. So we exist, YRUF, we exist as a community that wants to push back against some of that. Um, where you can find friends and even a family in college. And so um, we as a community want to invite you in here, even with all of your mess. And let's be honest, we all are bringing mess into here. We want this to be a community where we say this, where it's okay to not be okay. Where you can come in and say, like, I'm not okay. And be like, okay, neither am I. Let's, let's, let's be friends. Let's talk about it. Let's process it. Um, and I think that's one of the things that separates us from other social clubs on campus. Um, I think the reality is, is that a lot of social clubs, I'm not saying all, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying all social clubs, but a lot of social clubs, there's a, there's a bar that you have to measure up to to be in the club. Like, you can attend, but to be in the club, there's, you know, like, you got to be X good at this discipline, this academic discipline, or you got to be X good at socializing, and you got to look like X to measure up. And what we want to try to be is a community where... You can bring who you are in, and we will try falteringly, unsteadily, failing a lot of the time, to be like, okay, let's muddle through this together in a diverse, eclectic, weird place. Um, but not, we're not just trying to be a community. We want to be more than just a community. We want to be a community that seeks the spiritual health of each other. We are a distinctively Christian group, right? We're, we're animated by, we're sustained by... We talk about constantly Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done. We think as a community, we grow. As a, we think that, that good community, good healthy people grow by reflecting on together who Jesus Christ is and who he, who he, who he has done, what, sorry, what he has done and who he is. Um, We're seeking what I'll call whole person health. That is, uh, to be healthy people emotionally and mentally and socially and physically even. And that all of that starts with spiritual health. And that spiritual health starts with right relationship with God and through the Bible, through knowing Jesus Christ. So this is not just another social club because we want to dig into a hobby or a career option. Um, but we want to dig it to the root of what makes us productive, happy, flourishing human beings. So some of you may be confused by that. Be like, oh, what the heck are you saying? I'm saying stick with it. Kind of submit to the program. And I think you'll see what we're trying to do here. Um, ask questions. Get engaged. Go to Buffalo Wild Wings with us afterwards. Go ice skating with us. Have coffee with someone. And... Um, yeah, we'll see what it's about. So that's the first thing. Why RUF? Second thing, why Christianity? Why Christianity? Um, why, why particularly Christianity? Why not another faith? Why, why spirituality at all? Why, why a particular faith when there's a bunch of other options? Now, those are a lot of big questions that I can't necessarily answer in 
seven minutes, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try. And that's where I want to get to our text. So if you will, look on your, um, on your bulletin at our text. <clears throat> Just a short one tonight. We'll get in more uh, into our text later on. So this is the very first verse of the book of Leviticus. Um, let me read this for us. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to, the, speak to the people of Israel. Now, this is God's word. So what does this actually mean? What does this actually mean? Now, there's a lot of people in the room, and there's a lot of different stories. We're all approaching Scripture from a very different and unique perspective. Um, some of you maybe have grown up in the Christian church, and so you're like, okay, yeah, go for it. Just start talking to me about the text. Um, but maybe you're still coming in here, and you're like, why am I still doing this Christian thing? I don't know why I'm doing this. I had a hard break. For me, I find that when I go away for a break, sometimes I can break the routine. And then I can find myself like frustrated in my faith. I'm more lonely. I'm more isolated. So I come back and I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a Christian this semester. (laughs) Maybe that's where you are. Maybe some of you don't really have a background in Christianity and you come from a different faith tradition or maybe you don't have a faith tradition at all. Maybe you're from a Roman Catholic background and you're wondering, why does Christianity matter to me? Well, there's a, So there's a lot of perspectives here. And, and um, what I want to say is that this text is actually speaking to every single one of those perspectives. This text is actually speaking to every single one of the incredibly diverse perspectives that are in here tonight. Um, and in fact, it, you know, and you're like, whoa, John, there's one verse. It could seem like a throwaway verse, right? What in the world does this have to say? to all the different perspectives of a college campus. And I think, think, but then if we really stop and think about what's happening here, we see here the why of Christianity, the why of Christianity, and that's this, that the God of the universe is stooping down and talking to a human being. That's what's happening here. Do you see that? And the Lord called Moses. Now, to get that, you need to get a little bit of the historical circumstances of this book. Leviticus. It's a book that's written to the ancient people of Israel, which are the ancient Jewish people. It's written about three, three, four, eh, about 3,500 years ago, so a long time ago. And it's written to the ethnic Israelites, the ethnic Jewish people. And they had been enslaved. They'd been under political slavery in Egypt for 400 years, right? So they're enslaved in Egypt, and then suddenly this guy who was a a prince in Egypt comes out of the woods, uh, oh, out of the desert, and says, the God of your fathers is going to bring you out of slavery and bring you into this land. And they're like, what? Yeah, right. We don't think so. Who's this God you're talking about? We don't know anything about him. And all of a sudden, over a couple of weeks, this God, whom we're still trying to figure out is, wipes out the people who are enslaving us in a series of curses, just obliterates the superpower of the nation, brings it to its knees, and all of a sudden these people come out of the land of Egypt and they're marching up to what is now modern-day Palestine, and they're at, they stop at Mount Sinai, which is in modern-day Egypt, <laughs> and they're like, what just happened? What just happened? Who is this God with whom we have to do, why is he interested in us? Why is he having anything to do with us? And that's where this story picks up. They're at the base of this mountain, and their leader Moses goes up, and and it says, look what it says. It says, the Lord called Moses. The Lord called Moses. Now, 
Why is that significant? Why is that significant for you and me 3,500 years later in another desert in New Mexico? Why does that matter? Well, it's because this. It because, it's because Christianity is, is a religion that says that God has revealed himself to human beings. Christianity is a religion that says God has revealed himself to human beings. Now, that's a really interesting thing to say living today as we do. In a modern America, we believe, we act like God is distant, like he's way out there because we can't see him. We don't often experience him. It feels like there's often a thick wall, right, between God and how the rest of us think and live and operate. I bet, I bet you feel that a lot. I know I do. Like, you know, it feels like God is really distant, especially when, like, life kind of rubs up on us in a painful or hard way. Like, is God even there? Where was he when my sibling died? Where was God, Jonathan, when I needed money for tuition and now I'm going deeper and deeper into debt? Where is God, Jonathan, when my parents are fighting or when I don't want to feel like I want to be alive again or when I'm fighting sin? Where's God? You're saying God reveals himself? What? What is up with that? And so we sometimes legitimately ask, why Christianity? Why, why, why do we do this? But this verse here, it shows us that God is not distant at all that he condescends, that he lowers himself down. He punches through that, and God speaks to human beings. He takes the initiative. He calls out to Moses. And Christianity makes an incredibly bold and radical claim, and it's just this. It's that God moves close to human beings to make himself known to human beings. God moves close to human beings to make himself known to human beings. We call that in theology, in Christian theology, we call that revelation. That God reveals himself to us through scripture and through other ways. That he reveals himself personally and get this, even intimately. Even intimately. The word here that is in the Hebrew, and you see the word Lord? Do you see how it's in all caps? Now, that, that, the way that we translate that that's the translation for the word, the Hebrew word Yahweh. And that is God's personal name. That is God's personal name. So you see what it's saying? It's God comes to his people personally and says, I want to know you and show myself and reveal myself to you personally. Imagine your favorite professor on campus. Your fa- you love this professor. Comes to you and says, step into my office. And you're like, boof, Okay. And he's like, oh, by the way, call me Bill. And you're like, what? <laughs> that happened to me when I, was in, uh, when I was in grad school. My favorite philosopher, his name is Charles Taylor. I think he's the greatest living philosopher. Uh, he was coming and speaking at, at, uh, at, a, at a Washington University, and I was totally fanboying. I was just like, <laughs> And uh, just like losing my mind, and I went up to shake his hand, and he's like talking to me really conversationally. Now, he didn't say, call me Chuck. I wish he had, but, <laughs> but he was talking, he's like talking to me really, really conversationally. Just like, here's this person who I've read and just almost like, just loved. And he's just like, oh, hello. Yes. Talk, you know, da, da, da. And I was just melting. I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Now, imagine that happening. Your favorite professor, someone you really respect, just being like, oh, yeah, just, you know, let's just hang out. Imagine that but with the God of the universe 
coming to you and saying, I want to know you. I want to show myself to you. I will speak to you and I will relate to you, the Israelites, personally. Now, if that blows your mind, try this on. That happened 3,500 years ago. That happened in an even more profound and mind-blowing way in the person of Jesus Christ. Because here, not only is God coming down, in in Leviticus, God comes in smoke and fire and reveals himself to one person. In the person and work of Jesus Christ, he comes as God himself with flesh on him and reveals himself to anyone who can see, to, to, to everyone. Everyone sees him and says, this is God himself and fleshed walking on earth where you can touch him and see him and eat with him and drink with him. That is, Jesus Christ is the ultimate picture of God revealing himself. In Hebrews 1, another book in the Bible, it says, Long ago and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's what he's talking about here in Leviticus 1. But then he says, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. And that means that Jesus Christ is the perfect revelation of God to us, that Jesus is the most perfect and personal and complete picture of who God is and what his intentions are for humanity. So what are those intentions? Well, it's to save us from our sins. Jesus is very clear about that. He comes to save us from our sins. And not just that, but to establish little outposts, little communities around the world of joy and hope and peace and love. To eradicate all evil and injustice and to usher in a new world of hope and joy. Now, how does that answer the question, why Christianity? Well, because it means that God is not out there. God is not so far away that he's inaccessible, but that God is close, he's revealed himself, and he is even revealing himself through Scripture. And that even tonight, we can see a piece of who Jesus is. That he shows us that he loves us, that he's working in our lives, that he's working in our campus, he's working in our world. And this is all by grace. Grace is a, it's a word that means that it's a free gift of love. He does it because he loves us. And we don't have to do anything to get God. Look, it's not like Moses comes and says to God, well, okay, what do I got to do so that you'll resp- talk to me? God just comes and does it. It's a free gift. Through Jesus, God comes close. He moves close. And so that all we have to do is trust it and be like, okay, I trust this relationship. I trust this God who reveals himself. Now, look, if this has happened, if this has really happened, that God reveals himself to us. Now, this, that means that Christianity is the best news, is the best news that the world has ever heard. And if that's true, then it offers hope and meaning in isolation, in loneliness, in depression, in suicidal thoughts, in addiction, in compulsive behavior, in all the things that are affecting your and my life. That means that Christianity actually offers some hope in those things. It's the best solution to racial injustice. It's the best solution to economic impression and governmental abuse. All the things that are afflicting your and my world, that means Christianity actually has an answer through Jesus Christ and what he's done. Like I said, that's a bold claim. That Christianity, that following Jesus, that submitting to him, what we call discipleship, offers the best answers to your life. So, maybe you're like, I don't know. Prove it. 
Well, walk with us. Hang out with us. Let's talk about it. You and me, grab some coffee. Grab some coffee with one of our student leaders. Let's see what, ha- let's see what it is. So that brings us to the last question. Why Leviticus? Why, do we, why, do we, why read this book? Like I said at the beginning, there's a lot of reasons on the, on the first level. There's like, this is a terrible book to start with. <laughs> well, so why would you... First, it's strange. It feels like it's a weird book. It's, it says a lot of weird stuff. If you read it, you're going to be like, Jonathan, this is weird. <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff about sex. There's a lot of weird stuff about it, different kinds of offerings, like burnt offerings and grain offerings and peace offerings and guilt offerings. There's a lot of strange rules, like don't eat selfish, don't wear clothes of different mixed kinds of fabric... Um, here's how to clean yourself. I'll just say that. <laughs> Second, um, so it's a weird book. Second thing, why is it weird? It's another weird book because it really deals with sin in an aggressive way. I would, I would make the case that Leviticus actually deals with sin maybe the most aggressively of any book in the Bible. It is tenacious about sin. It talks about hard things, and that means if you stick with us, engage with us, we're going to talk about some really hard stuff this semester. It's going to challenge me. It's going to challenge you. But let me tell you, it's so worth it. Why is it so worth it? Because it's so relevant to our lives today. Chapter 26 of Leviticus, it talks about social and economic justice. These are like major topics that are happening in our world today. How do we deal with the fact that the rich oppress the poor? Leviticus talks about that. Chapters 18 and 20 talk about sexuality and sexual sin, specifically homosexuality. Like the biggest topic in our world today, Leviticus is just like, boom, and it's challenging. We're going to have to talk about that. So it's highly relevant. It talks about major issues that are in our age. That's, but why is, that, why is it relevant? It's because Leviticus has the gospel in it. Leviticus has the Christian gospel all over it. And there's three pieces of that that I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks on. I'll touch on them briefly right now, real briefly. First, it talks a lot about atonement. It talks about atonement. What is atonement? Well, we'll talk about that a lot. But atonement is basically God dealing with our sin and our shame and our guilt. Atonement is God coming and dealing with our guilt and dealing with our shame by paying for it. Second, it talks about holiness. Holiness is how you and I live in our day-to-day life of obeying God and following his law and flourishing as that whole person like I talked about. And third, it shows us mission. Leviticus gives us, the followers of God, the followers of Jesus, something bigger than our petty lives to try and eke out for ourselves. It gives us something to participate in. It gives us something to get out of bed in the morning and say, man, I'm going to go be the best graphic designer. I'm going to go be the best engineer I can be because I'm a part of what God is doing in our world. That's the gospel. And here's the thing. Jesus shows us that gospel most clearly. And that's what we're going to see in Leviticus. Jesus shows us ultimate atonement because he dies to deal with sin. Jesus shows us ultimate holiness Because he himself empowers us through his spirit and through his life to live more and more obedient life. And Jesus shows us mission to shape new lives and communities, to trumpet the good news. That means your life can have significance and purpose, not based on what you do or how you measure up, but based on who you are in Jesus and his love for you. 
So that's my answers. Why RUF? Why Christianity? Why Leviticus? I think it has something to say to every single one of us in this room. It's going to challenge us. It's going to push us, each of us. But I hope that as you join with us, you'll see a little bit more of how much God loves his people. That you'll see that God reaches out and reveals himself in a way to you even, to me even, to show that he loves us. So I hope that you'll stick around, that you'll keep coming, and I hope that you'll dig in with us in that process. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thanks for this time to open up your word briefly and first of all to see that you do reveal yourself to us um, and that it's by your grace. You revealed yourself to Moses on a mountainside and you revealed us yourself in Jesus most clearly. Father, we pray that as we unpack and unveil those layers that your spirit would be present with us, um, that you would give us courage to be honest with ourselves and honest with you and that you would be changing us through this. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.